1: Is this going to be interesting? So let's do this. I think we've got our guest. And uh can you hear me, Claudia? I can. Perfect. Look at that. I like your headset. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
2: it doesn't it's it's a little iffy and sometimes. So.
1: But uh hold on just a second here. I am gonna see if I can do this um i've added IQ and Dan to the call but we're going to see if i can get both of them in this call so we'll see what happens here this 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 will be a very interesting show i think we've got Dan Perkins back with us yeah. we were just taping an interesting conversation with dan on his book sad eyes which will be available on uh, our network and everything and then i'm going to send it over to dan and he'll splay it all over his network so uh there is that we also have the fabulous iq al rizzoli with us today good, I- afternoon. good afternoon iq how are you sir very well, thank you, Holy <laughs> Spirit. Pretty good, actually. Pretty good, actually. Now, today's conversation we have we have two guests. Our first guest is uh, joining us today, and uh, this is going to be an interesting discussion with the guest Claudia Clark, and uh, she has written an interesting book. Uh, before we get to our guest, we also have with us the fabulous Dan Perkins. And uh IQ Al Rizzoli. And um Claudia Clark is with us today. She is a um political activist, we'll say. That's that's according to her uh her press person. I don't quite believe that she's a political activist. She looks too nice to be a political activist. Most political activists are angry. She doesn't look like she gets angry. Um, <laughs> she is also a best-selling author, and um, she has a uh, interesting book. It is called Dear Barack. The extraordinary partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. It's informative. It's entertaining. It's timely. And especially with all the uh, Ukraine and Russia and Vladimir Putin things going on. Um, Claudia's narrative details one of the great political friendships of our time. No matter what you think about Barack Obama, no matter what you think about Angela Merkel... Um, it shows that it is possible for political adversaries to establish bonds of respect and even camaraderie in the service of a free world. And we have with us today, joining us here on the old Skip Skype, the old Skyper, Rudy Claudia Clark. Claudia, tell me and the guys here a little bit more about your book, and then I'm sure uh, Dan will have some questions, and I know IQ will have some questions. (laughs) But uh, go ahead, Claudia, talk to us about your incredible book here.
2: Okay. Well, the book is, the thesis is two-pronged. The first is, the first thesis is about the personal relationship and friendship between pres- former President Obama and former uh, Chancellor Merkel. And then the second thesis, and I think the, the more overarching and more important and timely thesis, I think is the importance of uh, allies in today's globalized world to have uh, relationship and partnership and trust.
1: So, Dan, I'll let you start here, because I know IQ's questions are probably going to be fiery, so uh, I, I know you are going to be, uh, for once, you are going to be the sane one on this program, so go ahead, <laughs> Dan.
3: <laughs> um, thank, thank you for joining us today.
1: Can you hear me? Claudian.
2: Yes, I can. Okay.
1: I just want to make sure you can hear me. Dan Dan um, was thanking you for joining us today. So oh, you just yes. to thank you for sure. having
2: me. Sure. <laughs>
1: um,
2: I I am having a little trouble hearing, but but I, but you're coming in now.
3: Okay, good. Um, over the this past weekend, a lot of stories broke about, um, and I want to hear from IQ on this one, perhaps later, that the. Um, The British government is probably going to announce on Thursday that the inflation rate in England is 14%. The European nations have decided that they're going to restrict the import of Russian crude oil and natural gas into European nations, and that this winter could be a very, very, very difficult winter for Europe. President Trump was criticized for his comment when he was president speaking to the United Nations that that uh, Europe, especially Germany, was going to be very exposed should the Russians decide to suspend the shipment of oil and natural gas. And <clears throat> I've been to... Uh, Germany many times. Um, my most recent visit was a couple of years ago when they were talking about switching away from coal to uh, solar and wind, and they couldn't keep up. <clears throat> and so that that the relationship of the United States and its leaders to the leaders of Germany and other European countries um, is somewhat tenuous at the moment. Because Europe is going to probably pay a significant price in um, weather conditions and and the lack of fuel for heat and energy, and I'm curious as as the, the second part of your book talks about how does that fit into the the decisions that the European nations have made to. Cut their ties, at least initially, cut their ties with Russia, and Russian energy. Um, go ahead.
2: Okay. Well, excuse me. Well, let me just say, right now, with what is going on, with what has transpired in the last several months, with with regard to Ukraine, should not really be a surprise to anyone. And I, I think what happened happened. The the rest of the world should have known in 2014 when Putin illegally annexed Crimea what he was capable of. And I think what I'm, I live in, I live in Berlin and everybody's kind of scrambling, trying to figure out what's going to happen with regard to, um, heat and, um, energy and that kind of thing, especially in the winter. And for me, I, I my position is world leaders, whether it's in France, whether it's it's German Chancellor. Uh, they're they're scrambling right now, trying to figure out they don't want to they don't want to rely on Putin and Russia for energy because of how dangerous he is, and they kind of want to punish him for what had happened. But they're in a bind because they need the are heavily dependent upon russia and they're running the leaders are running around kind of acting like their pants are down you know they're caught with their pants down and they're trying to figure out how to fix this how to what to do alternatives and as far as i'm concerned the time to act was 2014. they should have been having this conversation in 2014. they knew that when when um, uh, putin had annexed Crimea, that that was only a small portion of, of his ultimate goal. And they should have. Yeah, they, they did act. They they did sanction, sanction Putin. But they should have been doing they should have done more. They should have started having conversations of what are we going to do? And, and they should have begun the transition of of relying less on Russia and now we're everyone is caught and everyone is scrambling. And I just as far as I'm concerned, it's a little too late for this. They should have you know this is this was a long time coming and they should have done something about it months years ago. But, you know, there's nothing you can do about what they should have done.
3: But but we can hopefully learn from our mistakes. Right. And and I would say to you, um I'm a registered, among other things, I'm a registered investment advisor and I manage money for people. And that report that I heard over the weekend um, uh, about energy, um, I I know IQ lives in London, and there was a discussion um, over the weekend that that the the winter heating expense for London might be as much as $4,500 per household. Uh And yet, I agree with you, we should have done something sooner. And and we had a situation where former President Trump, when we achieved energy independence, said to Europe, "We'll supply you all of the oil and all the natural gas you need. You won't have to. You can just stop taking it from Russia. Period." And they they rejected it. And and it was the, it was the right thing to do. I I I believe that we are sitting on a ticking time bomb in Europe, and I don't know how far it's going to explode. But I believe that if the people, an analyst said last night on the news, more people in the world die from freezing to death than heat. More people die from freezing to death than heat. And so if we we have shortages of oil and natural gas in Europe across the continent of Europe, we're going to see, probably see, if they have a hard winter, and nobody knows for sure whether they will. We're going to have, we're going to have, possibly insurrection in Europe. Right. And um, and that's going to put tremendous pressure on the price of oil, which means it's going to go up here in the United States, and inflation is going to roar again in the United States. Right. So, um, is is this? A possible example of, as uh, Reverend Wright, who was the, Mr. Obama's uh, minister for a number of decades, said that the chickens have come home to roost. Are the chickens coming home to roost in in this area?
2: Um, I I'm begin. I think so to a certain extent. I I am worried about what is what is happening in in Europe um and right now what i'm w- right at looking at the 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 political fallout right now with regard to ukraine is citizens are very very uh so in support of ukraine they they are they welcome they're welcoming they are welcoming immigrants and refugees they're they're offering resources and they're they're okay with the increase because we've see, we have we're facing inflation here. Gas prices are are on the rise, um, fuel prices are on the rise, and right now I think people are okay with it. However, what my concern is is as this war drags on, because initially I think everyone whether. Whether you are you supported Ukraine or whether you supported Russia, you I think everyone kind of just assumed that the war would be in an, over in a couple of weeks, maybe a month, and we're now going we're going into weeks or month six. And I think as things begin to in the winter time, if as prices continue to rise, inflation continues to hit. And the war doesn't drags on. I'm a. I fear that people, everyday citizens, are going to lose patience, and they're going to want Ukraine to settle for just to end the war because because of the impact it's having on their everyday lives. And so I, I I do fear that there is going to be some kind of recourse. And I, my husband and I have this conversation all the time and we kind of are of the mindset that really World War III kind of started on February 24th. And right now, you know, people are being kind of supportive, but when it really starts to impact their everyday lives, they're going to, when, if we start having rolling blackouts, like they're like, potentially threatening, people are right. going to lose patience, and they're going to say, look, this isn't impacting us. Do something. Settle this war. So, it's it's hard. I think we'll have a better answer of that in the next couple of months, but I I am fearful.
3: Yeah. Jim, I'd like to ask her one more question. Yeah. IQ. yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've been getting a lot of pushback on the question that I want to ask you that people don't think I'm being... Unpatriotic in in raising it, um, the amount of money that the United States government and governments in Europe have poured into in either cash or arms to Ukraine makes it the third largest army in the world, and I, I am concerned that there is there is not an there's representing the amount of money that we have given something close to. 55 billion dollars since February. There is not an an, an inspector general representing American taxpayers' interest about what's happening with the money. I have grave concerns that there is huge, huge amount of corruption in that country, and, and money that's pouring in is pouring out and not doing anything for the people.
1: What do you think? i don't know we might have lost claudia claudia are you still with us my friend I think we might No, she's okay
3: hmm. huh. <laughs> i shut down the network
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have got uh dan perkins with us today of course uh he joins us uh he is a best-selling author and uh fantastic columnist and then we've got the the amazing iq al Rizzoli who uh He's He's i have back. i have got... back, are you back Could claudia
2: you... yeah i'm back <laughs> did you hear sorry my about question? that i did um i am going to continue with well with just audio or with just audio whatever you to want to do there I'm my
1: at. friend i'll put i'll put your book cover up No, no no problem go ahead
2: Okay, so yes, I, I I did hear your question. It was with regard to the amount of money and the corruption with with uh, Ukraine. Yeah, uh, I I do know. I this is definitely not my area of ex- expertise, but I I do know that Ukraine. There has been a lot of concern. Over Ukraine, the part of why they have not been allowed to join the EU, there was concern about joining NATO. And part of why they were not allowed to join NATO initially was because there was a lot of corruption, and that needed to be taken care of before they would be allowed into NATO or into the EU. So, I that I agree with. I I understand that, um, and I, I I get your point, and I think it's a valid point. Now. On the flip side of that, I do think that this war has been a wake up call to not just the people of of Ukraine, but the rest of Europe. And I, I do think that the that the way that the Ukrainians have been successfully able to push back against Russia, despite everybody's. Uh, predictions. I think it's an indication that there has definitely been some movement they, in terms of improving their their democracy in terms of the the credibility of them as a country. Are they there yet? Absolutely not. Uh, is this a waste of money? I I I don't. I can't answer that. I I think that's kind of a wait and see. We're, we're just going to have to wait and see.
1: Thank you. We have I got. Care a great guest with us today. She joins us here on our big broadcast. Claudia Clark with us today. She's an author. She's a speaker. Her website is ClaudiaClarkAuthor.com. And uh, she has got an incredible book. It's called Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. Um, One of the things about your book is you kind of detail the full story of their Working relationship. Tell us a little bit more about that, and then I'll go to IQ.
2: Okay, I, for those of you who don't know, they they did not Obama and America did not start off on the best of circumstances. Yep. Uh, Obama in two thousand eight, he had he was a candidate. He, he hadn't even received the Democratic nomination, and he wanted to come to Berlin to speak before in front of Brandenburg Gate. And he was an up- com- up-and-coming rock star. I like President Obama, but I do think he, he does have just a little bit of an ego, and so does, so did Merkel. Just Merkel, a little? <laughs> 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 um, and and Miracle you know, thought he was full of himself, too. And so when he wanted to speak before Brandenburg Gate, she said no. And Obama didn't appreciate that. He was kind of a, well, don't you know who I am kind of thing. And Merkel was like, (laughs) I know exactly who you are. And that's exactly why I'm telling you no. And so there was that disconnect between the two of them initially. And then through the the eight years that they worked together, uh, they... The the very very final um, time Obama came to Berlin following the 2016 election, Merkel uh, cried when she said goodbye to Obama. And the very final phone call President Obama made before he left office on January 19th was to Chancellor Merkel. And so what this book does is it traces the the highs and the lows of the relation of the eight year relationship, how they went from two people who really had—or were very skeptical of one another to where they ended up. And it was not a linear relationship. There were a lot of—they had a lot of disagreements. There was a lot of scandal, for example, the Snowden allegations when when o- the Obama administration had wiretapped Merkel's cell phone, but the the thing about the relationship was they despite the the conflict, despite the disagreements, they always, after the dust settled, their relationship was always stronger than it had been prior to, to that. And and I think that's and that's one of the takeaways I think I want people to get from this book, is that as polarized as the American society is right now, it's that it's okay, Miracle and Obama demonstrate that you don't have to agree with someone politically to have a good relationship. And, and you can still disagree with someone, and you can still get things done. And I'm it. It breaks my heart when I see just how polarized our society is right now.
1: So, IQ, Rizzoli, do you have any questions for uh, our guest no, actually, Claudia? I
4: have comments, unfortunately, which are opposite to conclusion she has come. I I admire what she's done, but I mean, I think of Reagan, and and. Um, the British Prime Minister, the lady Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. What an incredible relationship they had. They destroyed the Soviet Union. They helped the destruction of the Soviet Union. The relationship was very positive. The relationship between Merkel and Obama, although between the two of them was good, it was to the detriment of Russia of uh, Europe. The open borders. Obama had open borders, and Angela Merkel had open borders. They didn't do anything about Russia in 2014, because when they Russia took Ukraine, uh, the Crimea, there was a reason for that. Obama subverted Ukrainian president, who was pro Russia, and they started. A so-called revolution to install somebody who supports America. So when people speak about democracy and non-democracy, what America has been doing and what America is today, she cannot teach anybody about democracy. You don't have a democracy anymore. When you have a president of America being censored by Facebook and Twitter and being subverted and deceived and cheated by the FBI, the CIA and Homeland Security, don't talk to me about democracy. I know what democracy is, because I grew up in Iraq, I live in Europe, and I know the difference between the two. You have no bloody idea what democracy is. You, you will never, until now, you are now in a fascist state. America today, you are in a fascist state. You can't say that. I can. I don't live in America. I have every right to say it. I have a green card. Contradict me if you can. Please. That's Russia what... did not want to start a war in Ukraine. Russia told Europeans and the Americans for 40 years, do not encroach upon my territory. Do not come near my borders. NATO is a military alliance. Against the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union is no more. So what is the NATO for? Against Russia. They tell me that, yeah, but NATO is not aggressive. What does that mean? NATO is not aggressive. You started a war between uh, Kosovo and Kosovo in, in the middle of Europe, between Serbia and Kosovo. There was a war. America interfered in it. So what are we discussing? I mean, you, won't, you can't have. You can't eat the cake and have it. You eat it, or you don't eat it. What do you
1: think, Claudia? Are you still with us?
2: Yes, I. I don't know where to even. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's 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 me and Dan's um, view. <laughs> we we love iq but sometimes (laughs) go ahead claudia The, the
2: the fact of the matter is putin has stated from the very beginning over and over and over again that the fall of the soviet union he thought was the biggest most diplomatic disappointment of the 21st 20th century 21st century and he he made no qualms that he wanted to regain his territory and regain part of the Soviet Union. So I, he very strategically plotted, to his timing for regaining Ukraine. He waited until there was when, he, in 2014, was when that there was discord between Merkel and Obama over the Snowden scandal. Out after the obama administration had um, wiretapped merkel's cell phone and so putin thought okay there's there's this opportunity for me to get in and talk to the ukraini talk to the ukrainians and and take back the the territory that he truly thought belonged to him because he he underestimated the strength of the union between the united states and germany and he, he he was wrong because it I think it brought the one thing that that it did was it brought Obama and America closer together again, because they knew that they needed to unite in order to stop Putin because it he Putin has made his his um, plan it, it's not a secret. And many people believe that um that it really wasn't so much Ukraine that he was after, but it was also going into the Baltic states too. And that was part of why the European leaders did a um did the um oh oh what is the word I'm thinking of? Um the
1: I think I know what you're talking about.
2: Sorry, it's 11.30 at night. <laughs> <My> <laughs> no,
1: no, I fried. completely understand. I completely <laughs> yeah. understand. So, um, uh, so, so Claudia, um, what have people been saying about your book? What, what's been the response and feedback on your book?
2: I have actually, I'm very humbled by the... Um, Sanctions. That was the word I was trying to think of. <laughs> the sanctions. Um, but back to uh, I've been very humbled by by the reviews I've gotten. Very very good reviews. The on Goodreads, the it's, I've got about a four point six review, and Amazon as well. And what people are really saying is that it's well researched, which is what I I was adamant that it that it be researched. I it was one of those things where I don't care if people agree with me or not. um, That's, that's fine. But what I, what i didn't want people to criticize me on was for having misinformation because i hadn't done my my homework and my research and i'm very pleased that people are telling me that they were they appreciate how well researched it was people say that it is well written and then it's easy to read and that was something else that i i wanted to strike a balance because i don't want i didn't want someone to have to have a phd in order to get something out of the book but i also didn't want a Someone with a PhD, a history professor, not to to be so bored that they didn't like it. So I think I managed that, and um, I I think that the other thing, and this is something I was going for, is that you don't have to like either one of them, or you don't have to agree with. Them, I don't agree with a lot of their policies either, and so uh, and my the book is about their relationship and their partnership, and not their policies per se. Of course, I have to talk about their policies, but I do so in and with regard to how they work with one another and how the the greater world worked because of of their relationship.
1: Well, uh, Claudia, before we let you go, my friend, how do people get your book and get involved with what you're doing?
2: If you go to my website, which is claudiaclarkauthor.com, there is a, there's a place where you can, uh, information on where you can order the book either in English or German. I do have the German edition, or if you, it's available on Amazon or any other local bookstore, you should be able to order it. Fantastic.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Claudia. Thanks for doing this. We are going to take a brief timeout. When we come back, we will have more with Dan and IQ. Claudia, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us, my friend.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Appreciate it. We're going to take a brief, brief timeout. And uh, when we come back, we're going to do a 30 second timeout. And then we are going to get Rose Colombo in here. So okay let's just do this let's just go to rose (laughs) colombo we're just gonna go to rose colombo the fantastic rose colombo rose can you hear us can you see us
5: I can hear you and I can see you and it's good to hear you and good to see you.
1: Okay. I cannot see you.
5: Oh. <laughs>
1: so I don't know. Let's see. What's going on there.
5: I turned it on, so but, I don't know. Because
1: um, you should be able to. Hmm. Let me do this. While while you're fixing that, I'll get our other two oh. people in here and. uh Rose Colombo is going to be our guest. She is going to join us here in just a few seconds. We're also going to have Dan Perkins and the amazing IQ Al Rizzoli as well. And uh, this will be it. Let me see here. Here we are. There's IQ. I just chatted with IQ like 20 seconds ago. So we will will get uh, IQ Al Rizzoli and Dan Perkins back in here. And uh, we have got our guest, Rose Columbo, who is uh, joining mm. us here on our big program. And we will let them. Uh... Rose has an interesting background. I love Rose Colombo, And uh, Dan Perkins is back with us. Yes, sir. And uh, so has IQ Al Rizzoli. And um Rose Columbo is our guest, and Rose has an incredible website, rose colombocom and uh, she is uh, a fire fireball, as they say, um, and uh, she has a brand new book called Obamasaurus, The Legend Obamasaurus. of How the Judeo-Christian Dinosaur Nation Was Depopulated and Suffered Extinction. And uh, <laughs> quite the uh, quite the contrast from our first guest Claudia Clark um, Rose Colombo. Tell me and IQ and Dan about your book ObamaSaurus. Well, it's
5: exactly what you said. I'm sorry I can't get the camera. No, over.
1: you're good. You're 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 good, my friend. Uh, okay. we, we can hear your um, voice. That's that's all that matters.
5: And I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) First time I ever used Skype, actually, but I did press the camera, so I don't know what happened. You're good. Anyway, Obamasaurus is really hot off the press. It was just launched in May, and uh, there's a lot of interest in it, so I'm really excited. And it is about the legend of how the Judeo-Christian dinosaur nation was depopulated and possibly made extinct. And it is an adventure story and it has um, humor, uh, but it has an underlying message too for humanity in the end. And it leaves you with a thought provoking um, concept of what if, and could that happen to humanity in the world or in the United States of America. And so it's really uh, been uh, a journey with Professor Noah, Uh, and we go into the remote jungles of Africa in search of the lost tablets never seen by human hands or eyes. Uh, He has to discover a cave. He's on a mission from the higher powers and he has to search for these tablets and then he has to, even if he finds this magical cave and the tablets, he has to figure out Uh, how to decode them so he doesn't know if he can do all this even though he's a professor of archaeology and so time is of the essence and so this is a really fun entertaining educational and um some humor as well and uh it will leave people as i've been told by critics uh with a very concerned thought provoking idea of wow (laughs) maybe we better rethink uh what is happening in the world today and um so yeah it's very exciting for me it also won the irwin award too so that was very exciting
1: so we'll start with iq on this one iq uh what kind of questions do you have for rose colombo about her new book obamasaurus
4: but I mean, has it got to do anything with Obama or just the title, the Obama source? I mean, from what I understood, it's something to do with archaeology. Am I right or am I wrong?
1: Explain a little bit more details here, Rose.
5: Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear anything.
1: Well, w- the, 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 the book sounds like you've got something to do with Barack Obama. But as you go through and you explain it, it sounds like it's got to do with archaeology.
5: So- it's actually a fictional story. It's an adventure story with humor, and it is a fictional story with fictional characters. And okay. they're all dinosaurs except for Professor Noah. And so it all depends on how you want to interpret it and what actually happens within the story. And it leaves you with the provocative thought if any of these adventures that he encounters uh, could actually happen to humanity and to the United States of America. And it is so it leaves it very thought-provoking and open for a second edition because it changes Professor Noah's life and thinking about what is happening in the current days.
1: So, Dan, uh, yes, the great Dan Perkins, what, 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 what do you have here for Rose Colombo?
3: Um, where did you come up with the idea of the story? I'm a, I'm a published author myself, so i always curious in talking to authors, where did the idea of the story come from?
5: Thank you for asking that question. Actually, I've been a uh, on the front lines of politics and leading marches and protests and helping victims become uh, survivors of legal abuse for 30 years. And so I have been on the front lines of corruption, which happened to myself, and that's how it started when I started a movement 30 years ago and it hit the newspapers and AM, FM radio and TV and it it just skyrocketed and and so it was something that obviously people needed and wanted and so i am always on the lookout for anything that could harm the american people and our freedom liberties rights for future generations we've lived the american dream we know what it's like to be free and to have secured borders and to have a country that upholds the constitution but now we have a lawless country we have no country with open borders because op- because open borders is a free for all to enter and do whatever they want on the backs of the american people taxpayers and so we don't even know who our neighbors are anymore or who's walking down the street or who we're sitting next to or who we're talking to. And we, the American people, must identify ourselves totally to go in and out of our state and our countries. And and we also need to identify ourselves to them um to other countries. No other country in the world will allow us to walk across their borders and without getting executed or thrown into a hellhole, but they are doing it here in this country today. And I really find that to be extremely negligent, gross negligent, and incompetent by our government because they are not upholding their sworn oaths and they are not upholding the constitution. We do not have a country unless we have secure borders. And so, um, yeah, it does reflect a lot of what's going on today. but. To answer your question, (laughs) the reason I came up with the concept is because I was switching the television and um, The View was on and uh, Obama was on The View. Uh, They asked him a question and they asked him, they said, what do you make your serious decision? How do you make your serious decisions? What side of your brain do you use? And he said, I use the reptilian side of my brain to make important decisions and that was it. I said, "Oh, <laughs> he's a reptilian." <laughs> so my brain started working and it turned out to be the Judeo-Christian dinosaur nation. And so it does reflect what as far as political I uh political things that are happening in our country today, it does reflect that because this is our country. This is our homeland. We need to protect it and we need to wake up people and they need to become proactive for their children and grandchildren and the future of our nation. And so that was the concept. So
3: in, in listening to uh, the, the, some of the wonderful things that you said as far as the philosophy, um, can, can you look back over your time in this country and can you point to a singular event or events that caused us to to go down the road of abandoning our constitution and our form of government?
5: Yes. In 2006, President George W. Bush, who I supported, and Dick Cheney were secretly building Uh, FEMA camps and private prisons for juveniles and private prisons for adults with our tax dollars, without our knowledge. They are now all over the country. I think that's a very serious concern. We have more people arrested in America and in prison uh, across this nation than any nation, including China and Russia, in our prisons. Why did we need more prisons and more FEMA camps and more juvenile facilities? This made no sense to me. And they also he also issued a executive order and called a press conference, and that was in two thousand six. And he um, he had DHS, FEMA, and uh, Dr. Fauci and all the players in that meeting, and they decided that they needed to have more surveillance on the American people if a pandemic and civil unrest was called out. And then the president of the United States could call out martial law, send troops on our land, and then to control the people. And they would go after right wing extremists to take them to government facilities. And I read this online. I was shocked. In 2009, I posted it on Facebook. Facebook, it went viral. Facebook took my wall down with that post. And um, it was a very concerning moment for me because I supported and voted for President Bush and for um, Dick Cheney. And even prior to that, one of the most shocking things to me was when his dad, President G.H.W. Bush, stood on the House floor and pledged his allegiance to the New World Order on national television and Congress applauded, and that, to me, was the beginning of what is happening today.
3: So, we you cannot have-,
5: have two masters. I'm sorry, but you cannot have two masters. You cannot be loyal to the um, to the um, new world order, which is the United Nations, and you can. And created by the concept was created by China, and you cannot be loyal to the United States Constitution you have to be you cannot be on the fence you are either for the new world order which is communism or you are either for the United States Constitution which mm-hmm. is free. and secure borders and identifying anyone that comes across our borders and if the sheriffs want to deport them they should be allowed to do their duty and they were not allowed to do their duty over the past 15 years or so. Well, longer than that, because it was Bill Clinton who opened the borders to communist China. And that was a huge mistake. And I opposed it back then uh, on talk shows, <laughs> radio shows, top radios. And people just were like, oh, you don't understand. Globalism is the future. This is going to open up more jobs and, you know, create more Uh, money for you know the world and and I said no I said it's going to create fewer jobs down the road and it does today I call for example every time I call to get um, help for my computer or anything else and God bless all the foreigners I, I want them to make money I want them to work but you know what I'm talking to people in a different country I can't even talk to an American anymore Living in this country, I find that very disturbing. Maybe the rest of the country doesn't, but I do.
3: Well, I guess one of the one of the things that that concerns me, not not about not about your book, but about philosophical changes. We have <clears throat> we have a problem of law and order along the the Mexican border. Right. We have. Um, what it is estimated to be this fiscal year, over two million illegals that we could identify that have come in and probably another million runaways, three million that have come in here. The president has yet to go to the border to show the border states that he cares about it. In fact, he doesn't seem to care about the openness of the borders at all in the United States. Now, he made one exception. He decided to fill in some holes in Arizona to try and help a candidate, a Democratic candidate, get elected uh, to to federal office. My, my. I guess my point is, what is it about that about the left today that doesn't believe in borders, which define a nation? Do you, why do you think that they're ignoring our borders?
5: Well, thank you for asking. It's my opinion, of course, uh, but um, it's my opinion that techno technocracy has taken over the country, and it's been a long time plan. and that they have been allowed to donate money to the Department of Justice, the AGs, the USAG, the president, excessive amounts of money, mayors, governors in all these blue states who are now puppets of the technocrats who are billionaires and multimillionaires and they are dictating what's happening in our country. When you tell me that you are a CEO of a company and you have the right to invade my privacy and surveil me under what constitutional law is that? There's no constitutional law that allows a CEO to do that. When you tell, and they're doing it, And you tell me not even the government has the right to do it without probable cause, but they're doing it. And they're accusing us of uh, being right-wing extremists because we want secure borders. They call us racist. They call us all sorts of names deplorables and ignorant and small-minded people. We are not, they are blaming us because we are telling the truth and we love our country. We are patriots. We want to see our children and grandchildren grow up with freedom and liberty and rights so they can be what they want to be, do what they want to do, go where they want to go. When they tell me I can't drive to a certain place uh, because I'm going to get stopped, uh, because they just decide to stop people on the road, uh, public roads, or th- and ask for your identification, that is not freedom. And when they allowed BLM to stop people on the road, that was outrageous. Drag people out of their cars with children, jump on their cars, kill police, injure police, civilians. And the Democrats kneel down to them, and then they give them this huge pass along with Antifa. That is lawlessness. That is no longer public servants that we would support, whether regardless of party, I don't even care about the party, regardless of party, the party shouldn't come first and try to uh, create a one-party system so they can usher in the technocrats with their one world government. That is not American. That is treasonous and traitorous. And that is not upholding a sworn oath. Do you know that if they violate their sworn oath and they are found guilty in a court of law, that these politicians, just on that simple little law, could end up going to jail and fined or both. And that's exactly what should happen to them, in my opinion, because we are struggling. We're, why are we paying triple the amount for a little bag of turkey, $15? That is outrageous. Why is Bill Gates and and China buying up all the food plants, the farms, since the lockdowns when they destroyed the farmers and the food plants and the trucking business during those lockdowns? What authority did they have? Nobody's asking these people, what constitutional authority are you applying to lock us down. We are healthy people. We've been through flus before. We didn't have to lose our businesses, our income, and end up in a divorce and homeless. And on the verge of suicide, there was an increase of suicides. There was an increase of elderly people snuffed out because they couldn't see their families and their families couldn't make decisions for them because the government and was making all the decisions. We don't even know what happened to all those people. Really, in reality, we had no transparency. That is not the American way of life. We should not put up with it, and we should unite as a country and say enough is enough. We do not want our taxes sent across the oceans. We want them right here. We want our gasoline lowered. We want our food lawyer uh, cost of uh, living lowered because we deserve it. This is our homeland. We're supporting 30 million illegals from all over the world. I find that outrageous, but that's That's, my opinion.
4: (laughs) James, James and you thought I was an extremist? (laughs) She is saying exactly what I've been saying for ten years. (laughs) For ten years I've been saying the same thing. And Dan and my friend James think I'm an extremist. No.
5: You're (laughs) an extremist. You're an extremist like me for the for the good of the people to be able to live a decent life. Who built this country? Developed it. Their families came here, and even the naturalized Americans who are loyal and patriot, working, paying taxes. Why are we supporting 30 million illegals from around the world?
4: Because you're stupid. Not you personally. I'm talking about (laughs) illegals. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Criminally negligent and stupid, James. She is a lovely lady. <laughs> Everything I love said, it. She said was music to my ears. Everything. <laughs> Why? Because it is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I,
1: I figured I you'd do- get along with Rose Colombo. <laughs> <laughs> but, really
5: but do you like paint? Do you like going to the, the pump and paint? You know, in my car, I just have a small car. It was like 40 bucks to fill it up. I go to the gas station now. It's eighty dollars. I mean, do you know what that does to your income? And then you go to the um, you go to the grocery store. If you have children, these women I see them. I was a single mom. I see them with their kids and they're saying, Mommy, can I have this or that? And they look at the price and they're like, Oh my God, well, maybe next time, honey. You know, no, that should not be happening in America. We should not be supporting 30 million people who stepped in front of all the people from other countries, Europe, Canada. What about those countries? Why aren't they coming here anymore? The only people coming here are from third world countries that they're caravanning because they're paying them to come here right through our borders, bringing fentanyl, spies, traffickers. They don't even care about the risk to the children. In, um, under the Obama regime, a Biden Obama regime, Democrats, they actually, um, I, I have friends in South Carolina who have a law firm. They sued Obama and the federal government because at those borders, 10,000 children went missing. To this day, nobody knows what happened to those children. Who cares about the children anymore, whether they're from this country or not? The children are being used and abused as human commodities for human trafficking, human sex trafficking, and they are being snuffed out and nobody cares. True. That's where we're at in this country. If you want the truth, but no people don't want the truth. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why I derived political satire.
3: <laughs> so is the is the the people that you're talking about who want all of this to happen? Are, do you feel they're the majority or still a minority in the country?
5: I think they're the minority of a very wealthy, and some have made themselves wealthy. Uh, maybe not ethically, let's say, but they made themselves and their families very wealthy. And we know when you have a lot of money that people get big egos, they get inflated, and then it's just numbers to them. And then they're like, well, what can we do next? Why don't we just control the whole world and uh, see all of the people on the chessboard and we'll just move them around any which way we want. It's like a game to them because they have so much money and they just thrive on power and control and um, they're pushing everything. They're involved in our public schools, they're involved in our colleges, they're involved in our government, they're involved in everything and the the way they do that is by donating to all the people who will accept their money and that's most of our universities and public schools right now. And our Department of Justice, which that is the most dangerous of all, though. When our Department of Justice, and I used to work for the Sheriff's Department a long time ago, and when our Department of Justice allows them to fund attorney generals and prosecutors and um, district attorneys, that is, and judges, that is so dangerous to our freedom. It is totally dangerous to our due process of law, because now you're going to jail based on an accusation. Something you said on the uh, on the Internet, something you said on TV or the radio, something you posted, that is called control of your thoughts and your opinions and your protests and your assemblies. And they are even criminalizing parents who they are taking their power away from them as parents and their parental rights, this is what is happening in this country. It needs to be addressed by the American people because guess what? The American people forgot who they are. We, the American people, are the government. The elected people were elected to uphold the Constitution and secure the borders and make sure that they balance the budget. They didn't do any of that. I wish we could just fire them and start with fresh new faces of people. I don't care what their party is, just people (laughs) who love America, patriots who want to make sure that we make sure that our borders are secure and our military is strong and our constitution stays intact because it's being shredded.
1: Well, let's uh, Jim, wrap can up I ask here. The last question. Yes. Ask the last question there, Dan, and then we'll Perfect. wrap things up here.
3: Yeah, I, I, I listened attentively to what you said in IQ, and, and I've listened to IQ for years. <clears throat> and the question I have, the final question I have for you is where does it all end?
5: It all, It's not going to end unless the American people make sure that we have fair elections so we can remove those who refuse to uphold the border, the -hmm. Constitution, refuse to um, secure the borders and refuse to return parental rights to the parents. And so it's not gonna end until the American people can have a strong enough voice, come together and say, you people are gone we do, we've had enough of this but we my, want new faces.
3: I, I go back to my question my question is where does where does their side end where does this end where, does communi- communism has never worked anywhere in the world right so <clears throat> is it going to take a revolution on the part of of uh, patriotic americans to overthrow the government is it going to end violently How's it going to end? Is what I'm looking for.
5: Well, that's the way they would like it, but no, we can have a uh, um, peaceful revolution of minds and bodies, and we can uh, come together with, if you believe in a higher power, prayer at first, the first thing, and and put your armor on and be crusaders as we come together, and we um, we choose people not by their waves and their designer clothes and their smiles and they look like the all-american couple no we choose people because we are looking at their backgrounds who are you who are you what have you done for for to earn this position that we're giving you a lifetime of income you know people are paying these people to come against us and hurt us. No, they should be, we should be imposing our will on them and instead they are imposing their will on us and slamming the door in our faces, telling us to shut up, sit down, be quiet and do as we're told. We must remember who we are. We are God's children and God's children are an army and we have the power to return back to turn back our country and take the power away from people who refuse to uphold our freedom, liberty rights, and our borders, and give us back our freedom.
1: Well, let's wrap up with everybody. Uh, let's start with IQ Al-Rizzoli. IQ, how do we get your books and everything else?
4: Just Google my name, al double A-L-R-A-S-S-O-O-L-I, and start a revolution. It will not go through
1: peacefully. This has got to be violent. Possible, right? So, uh, Dan, how do we get your latest books, my friend?
3: Um, the um, the new book, Sad Eyes, and the new book, um, Abraham Lincoln and the Second Assassin are on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. and can go to your local bookstores. But if you go to HollisMedia.com, who is the publisher, you can get a special package and a special pricing on both books at the same time uh, i have a new show on the black and white network which is called dan after dark it <laughs> comes on about 12:30 in the in the morning uh it's a half an hour to 40 minute show and it talks about things that we don't talk about on the other shows on the on the network and we just launched it uh tomorrow will be our second show and um i'm really excited about it and um Danperkins.guru is the core book a uh, core website where you can spin off to go to see songs and stories and other things. So,
1: fantastic. Thank you. Fantastic. Rose Colombo, thanks for talking to me and IQ and Dan today. The website is rose-colombo.com. Rose, I would love to have you back and uh, thanks for joining me and Dan and IQ today.
5: Well, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure meeting these gentlemen and uh, as well. And also, my book is going to be in bookstores soon, so I'm very excited about that for the holidays. And Obamasaurus, yes. <laughs> so I'm excited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thanks thanks to Rose Colombo, IQ, Dan. I will see you guys next Tuesday. Thank you, guys. You bet. Take care. Appreciate it. There they go. Thank that you. is IQ Rizzoli, Dan Perkins. They join us today here on our big broadcast and uh, thanks for joining us here on this edition of our main program. We've got more coming up on the other side.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?